it all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Troy Meacham, CEO of ACR Supply. The company was founded back in 1977 by Troy's dad, L.C. Meacham, and he joined the company straight out of college in 1980. Although the company's focus is to serve the HVACR industry through wholesale distribution, Troy has gained a passion over the past decade to make a positive difference for Christ in the lives of their employees, their customers, and their vendor partners. To enhance their focus on ministry, ACR has also partnered with Corporate Chaplains of America, as well as joined the C12 Group family. Troy Meacham, welcome into the corner office. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Wonderful to have you here. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago, and I've gotten to know your industry a little bit uh, through one of our other C12 partners up here in the Northeast, and mm -hmm. really looking forward to getting to know you better and, of course, uh, your path to the corner office with uh, ACR Supply. Yes, Let's sir. talk a little bit about the early days. Uh, sure. I know this is a family business, your second generation. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and, you know, what your early family life was like. Sure, I grew up in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, mm -hmm. My dad, uh, my dad was a single father for a couple of years, uh, okay. raising two little rascals, me and my sister, and um, <laughs> younger sister, older. Yeah, she's older, and okay. uh, and he um, uh, was married later on. I have a wonderful stepmom, and awesome. and so we see we we uh, we moved around a lot, and we were young, and then uh, about uh, when I was uh, let's see. Uh, I can't remember the exact year, but uh, it was uh, my father decided to kind of go out and do his own thing yeah. and begin his own business, and and a, a lot a lot of uh, forethought and a lot of time was put into that. And and in nineteen seventy seven, uh, in March the eighteenth, my sixteenth birthday, believe it or not, nice. he received a phone call, and we were going out to dinner for my birthday, and he received a phone call, and was told that he was being let go from his current job as they knew he was not happy and wanted to go oh do gosh. his own thing. Yeah, and so we were uh, we were all kind of shocked, but it, that launched was, into I, it. Launched into <laughs> it, man. Yeah, he hung his own shingle out, and good for him. And th the rest is history. Yeah. Now, did he work in the industry prior to finding? He did. Yeah, he, he worked in the industry for twenty one years yeah. and yeah, for good. another distributor, and uh, yeah. learned the industry and learned it well, and uh, had a huge following in our industry, and uh, that led to a very successful launch of his 
business that he that he birthed. That's awesome. And you joined a little bit later, and we'll get to that in a minute. Sure. But let's let's talk a little bit about some of those early years, particularly when you're moving around a lot. And you know, sure. growing up with a single father, particularly at that time of yep. of uh, the life, was probably a little different than most, right? Yep. In terms it, of kind of your peers and so forth. What were some of the lessons learned? What were some of the things that Dad, you know, taught you as a kid that uh, stuck through to today? Uh, perseverance. Uh, uh, I guess difficulty is is always going to be part of our lives, and uh, as long as you let, let those things define you, is, is how you respond to them mm. is what's so important. And yeah. and I saw my father go through a lot of stuff. I mean, he went through a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, difficulties, and and just uh, but he continued to persevere. I was so blessed because my my dad's one of those men who uh, was just solid. He was a rock yeah. and stable and consistent. Hmm. And he was always there doing what he needed to do to make sure he's providing for us and just being there emotionally, uh, spiritually, and then watching him in his professional life. It was pretty awesome. And, uh, and so I guess one of the, uh, the part of, part of his legacy, and he's still, he's still alive. Busy. Yeah. Part of his legacy is that he is, uh, um, hopefully, hopefully the Lord willing, we're carrying that legacy on through, uh, through through to the next generation and hopefully my That's son uh, the next generation but uh, a legacy of perseverance and just just work hard work and and loving the Lord and and remembering that he's in control of all things anyway so we're trying to <laughs> glorify him and, yeah it's we're trying to glorify his. him in the in what we do and how we do it yeah. Now, uh, Troy, was your father a man of faith uh, when you were yes, born? Yes, he is. And, yeah, yeah okay, he's got so. amazing testimony. His uh, yeah. testimony, he's actually, when he was young, um, they actually, my, my, my grandmother and grandfather were too poor to tithe, didn't have enough finances. Mm. And so the way they tithe at their local churches, they would clean the, uh, the, clean the church yeah. on Wednesday nights after the service was over. And right. one particular Wednesday night as a young man, he was cleaning the actual, the, the, I guess, the bronze cross in the sanctuary. Mm. And by himself and, and mom and grandmother and grandfather or somewhere else. And and the Lord just really spoke to him. And it was oh. that night he gave his, his life to the Lord oh. right there by himself in, in the sanctuary. Right the it's chapel. a great oh. story. Wonderful yep. story. And you mentioned, uh, you know, it was a single father. Was was yep. your mother not on the scene? <clears throat> Did she yep. leave the family or yep. leave my- the yeah, my mother left when she was a year, when I was a year and a half. My sister right. was three, and uh, yeah. she left and moved out of town. And 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 uh, we had a chance to visit with her just a few brief times before she passed away okay. many years later from right. from lung cancer. But yeah, it was one so of the she wasn't an active part of your life. Not at all, not at all. Yeah. And yeah. my father yeah. got married several years later. Right, and my stepmother and, and very close mom. to her still yeah. are still are very close to her. Yes. Awesome. Who are some of the other early influencers in your life? You know, were there coaches, teachers, yeah, uh, yeah. Sunday school teachers? Tell us a little bit about those, Troy. Yeah, probably one of the most impressionable uh, teachers slash coach I had was David Hummer mm. in my school and in, in, in junior high and high school. And he just kind of took hold of my life and me and just began to pour into me and and, and helped me believe in myself and coach me in, in sports. And, nice. and it was just a wonderful, a wonderful man. His lasting impression in my life. And he was one of the early ones. And also- uh, well, Elementary late, school? What, what age was that? Middle, middle school, high school. Middle school. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I don't have a lot of memory of elementary school, to be honest with you, but <laughs> they say elementary school and, and middle school years are some of the worst in your life, I hear. I don't know, but uh, try, to, try to forget But you them. remember those special teachers. Oh, you know, very much so. Third yeah, grade yeah. teacher, I remember yeah. her name, yeah. kindergarten and a yeah. few others. So yeah. so was he one that taught several different classes of yours or was there a he specific did. subject? He, uh, yeah. uh, several, several subjects, but most right. importantly, he was my basketball coach. Basketball. Okay. And he, uh, like I said, it was just uh, having the early years with some of the trials and stuff that our family had gone through, sure. have somebody that believed in you and poured into you, encouraged. 
Forest Ute was a big deal. He was one of the first people outside of my dad who did that. It was really made a big impression on me in my life. And I I remember him to this day. Were you a good student, Troy? Not really. (laughs) (laughs) In the subjects you liked, maybe. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of school. But but it's well it's like everything else. You look back on your life and wish you'd have really given a lot more effort. But I I did enough just to kind of get by. Right. And but there was a lot of other a lot of other stuff mixed into that. Some of the home life stuff that we'd gone through uh, kind of complicated things. But sure. more, more so. But, but but what my dad did teach me is is you only I mean it's about effort. You've got right. to put effort into anything. Nothing worthwhile ever comes easy. That's correct. And yeah. and so yeah. uh, as, as I began to grow up and get a life, <laughs> decide to do things with my life it, and, and getting into high school and, and graduating from high school, I really began to put the foot on the gas pedal uh, just from a professional development perspective and right. and began to really uh, learn. Uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to do anything in life, I've really got to put a, a, a more concerted effort into growing personally, professionally, financially, and later on, even spiritually. Right, right. Well, you mentioned basketball. Other sports or music, theater, anything you pursued, middle school, high school? Baseball, Baseball. soccer, and basketball. Yes, sir. I played them all, and and I enjoyed them. I was probably your average uh, athlete, maybe average to lower. (laughs) I was not not the, uh, uh, what do you You call it? You persevered. You worked hard. That's exactly right, yeah. (laughs) Stayed on that varsity team. I was the one that gave the the huge effort, but all the other guys had the talent. (laughs) Right, right. Cool. What about entrepreneurial things? Anything that you did? you know, early on, either for pocket money or eventually to maybe help pay the bills. Paper route and cut grass. Paper route. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's very common. And I did, right? so I, I probably did those, single yep. digits on the paper route, right? How old exactly. were you? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Nine, I don't even remember. It was very young, but yeah. Uh, yeah. it sure did. And it was uh, and cutting grass as well. So the odds and ends, that's exactly right. That's, that's how great. you get started, right? That's great. And what about, uh, you know, kind of W-2 jobs? Were there any official jobs that you had maybe in high school or a little bit later yes, that you did Yes, as it well? was. What I kind had of things did you do two now? jobs in high school. I worked okay. at, actually three, but two jobs mainly. I worked at, started off at Rose's department store. Okay, right. And then, and then moved to moved up to McDonald's. All right. At McDonald's. So. Flipping burgers. Yeah, I did. Uh, and then I moved into the world <laughs> of retail and okay. uh, in my high school, later high school years, uh, retail at the mall, you know, just clothing sure. and that kind of stuff. And so enjoyed that as well. So, what did you learn in some of those early jobs? You know, McDonald's, the, Roses. The, oh, you know. the, the the big one for me is being an extreme introvert as a young person. No, oh. I uh, really did. I that mean, surprises it, me, Troy. Yeah, I would have not thought of you as an introvert. That's <laughs> <laughs> just based on our past I, nine minutes here. <laughs> I can promise you, I was the extreme introvert. Matter of fact, no I question. have a copy of my school records, and some of my teachers were actually concerned because I used to like to go off and play by myself and hmm. and not really socialize that much. I, I'll tell you this, and we can flash forward a little bit. My wife, who the Lord put in my life, is uh, she's an extreme extrovert. She's pulled me out of my shell, so okay. we can give her all the credit. How about that? Yeah, we always and, do that, right? Yeah, we are exactly. Folks that compliment our skills. Exactly. Yeah, that's good to know. But uh, let's see. Back. Let's see. What was I saying? We. Uh, yeah. Early on, I was. I was. I was an introvert and 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 didn't really uh, socialize a whole lot. But what happened is, I as I grew up, started getting these jobs. 
uh, really pulled me out of my shell. Those, right. That began to really have an effect on me where I had to begin uh, and yeah, be intentional with and interact yeah. with people. It's, right. it's part of life, sure. especially when I, when I went to work doing retail. That was a, that was kind of a big deal for me to, because you were forced to talk to people and interact right. with them. Sure. And, and that was kind of something that really did change me. And were I, you I'm doing kinda, selling as well? Or yes. Or were you oh, kind of yeah. back office? Good. Uh, on the yeah. sales floor stuff, not yeah. really doing stocking or nothing like right. that, but on the right. sales floor. So I kind of got a passion for it, believe it or not. And it kind of, it was something that I really felt like I was pretty decent at. And, and it really brought me out of my shell. So that was early yeah. on some of my my early career moves. Right, right. Well, those are good things to do. I kind of followed the same route. I had a, had a, had a paper route and then work retail when I was in high school. And, you know, yep. you learned not only how to fold sweaters, but to interact with people. And some of those lessons of customer service early on have certainly stuck with me over the years. Exactly. You went on to college. Now, did, did dad go to college or were you the first in your family to do so? No, he did not. And okay. uh, let's see. Um, and, and just for clarity, too, I went to a community college okay. and I got a degree in what we do. And that's in, that's the world of HVAC, so heating, right. air, conditioning, federation. And so I went was to it kind I, of a vocational. Uh, it was. College it was. It was Al- Alamance Community College awesome. and ACC up here in the, in the Burlington area of North Carolina. And dad and, was um, already in the industry a little yeah, bit. He right? had been so, for a long time. Yeah, had yeah, you been so, exposed to it? Had you done some work? Well, know, I was, with I was that kid. Yeah, I was that yeah. kid who would sweep the floors in the summertime. <laughs> and that Right. Kind of stuff, but not a whole lot of exposure to it. Like an hour got or two, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and when he started it, uh, obviously helped with a lot of the construction of the store and that kind of stuff. But I was still still young and still in the school. And but yeah, it, that was that was my. I had limited exposure, but yeah, it was. But I was always kind of around in the summertime, if that makes sense. Yeah. You and I graduated from college the same year in 1980, and it's, it's, yep. I think you went to work for Dad right away, right? So I did. His I, business actually, was right up and running. Yep. In addition to that, though, uh, I did work in this. I worked in the field, the service field, with a couple of our customers oh. uh, as well. So I was doing multiple things at one time. My dad wanted me to have some exposure that way, so that was very helpful. But yes, I did. I went to work full time with my dad in 1980. What were some of those customer oriented things that you did? Well, just service technicians going out, okay. working on HVAC jobs, installing right. HVAC equipment, doing service work, repair work, those kind of things. And, so your um, degree was somewhat technical then too, right? So it some, was. Yes, yeah. it was. It was all about it was all about kind of what we do and just getting right. the basic understanding of the HVAC world. Did it include business management as well and kind of how to run a business or was it much just more technical? And more, most, mostly technical. Yeah, got it. I so went yeah, back yeah. later though because I found it very important later on when I when I. But, when I when I decided to grow up many years later, I did go back <laughs> and take and take accounting. Of you made that the, decision. I'm still thinking it, about whether to make yeah, that decision. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but the, the uh, just going back and getting not a degree, degree in accounting, but at least take accounting Good. course at the yeah. local community uh, uh, college in Durham. Way, uh, and, and so Durham Tech. And so I went back and took accounting, and, and got a good grade in that because I really wanted to learn it. I knew I had to as a business person, and so sure. uh, I got some. I've been and I've been doing. And ever since then, uh, continuing ed type of things all the time, especially around the area of leadership and development and, and, really and those, those kind yeah. of things. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I tell you one thing, just as a side note, my dad do, just do something early in my career. In the early 80s, he sent me to Dale Carnegie. And I know you've oh, probably heard of that. Great. Yeah. Oh, sure. That 12-week course went through yeah. that. What a game changer it was for oh, me. Oh, that's fantastic. Really Where did you do out. that? Was that locally? And yeah, oh, yeah, it was in, it was yeah. in the Raleigh-Durham area. Yeah. We, we did yeah. it. And I still remember... That my coach's name, his name was Jose, and 
I remember the impact that Jose had on my life. And I actually, believe it or not, we did a leadership retreat about five years ago. I invited Jose back to do some leadership training for us. He was close to retirement. And so it was just really special being able to spend time with him. But yeah, that Dale Carnegie was just really phenomenal. Oh, that's a terrific, terrific foundation. So so how long did you have to be at the company before dad gave you some leadership responsibilities? Ooh. (laughs) Um, Just a few years ago. No, no, no. No, um, it was uh, so one of the one of the another defining moment in my life was when um, uh, when 1984. Mm. I've been pushing a broom, making deliveries. You've been in the company about four years. Yeah, about four years. He decided it's time for it's a sink or swim moment for Troy, and so Mm. he uh, he sent me to Chapel Hill, North Carolina. He built a building over there, and we made to put our first branch location up. Wow! And and he he kind of built the building and put a roof on. Uh, uh, very much so. Yeah. And we had no business over there at all that, that we were starting with no business. And it was, it was one of those d- defining moments in my life where I realized, yeah. you know what? I don't have anybody else to blame here. <laughs> uh, I got, I got to do this on my own. So I did, I did not want to be a failure. I wasn't a believer yet. That was four years later. Okay. I became a believer. Okay. But, um, but I, one thing I did not want to do is disappoint my dad sure. and I did not want to fail. I did not want to be your had stereoty- you, Had you managed anyone before that time? Oh, no, not oh, at all. Oh, my gosh. So you had to go over there, open it, hire yeah, people. Yeah. Well, actually, believe it or not, I worked, I worked by myself for two years. Okay, wow. So, yeah, yeah. that was that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, not to take a lunch hour for two, two years, pretty interesting. But, um, <laughs> but lost some weight, probably got in good shape. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had a standing order at the local Chinese restaurant. And that's not a joke. That's a true. That's a true statement. I had a standing order at the Chinese restaurant. They delivered it to me. That's the only so, way um, you would eat. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so, I love it. But it was really, oh, my father knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. He's yeah. so How old smart. Time? So you were about 20 or so, 1920? Yeah, yeah, right yeah. about there. So yeah. uh, it was, like I said, 1980. Uh, so, uh, excuse me, 80. I started in 84. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, about 21, 22 years old, 23, something like that. I can't remember exactly how old I was, but it was early on. And so I you was, started I was, managing people there. So a couple of years then, he couple said, years okay, into now you it, can yep. go hire a couple of people. Is that yep, how it sure did. Yeah, yeah. one of the first team members I hired is a guy named Spencer Davis. <laughs> And uh, I think Spencer's actually, uh, he's working for the state of North Carolina now and close to retirement. Yeah, yeah, he's a, a, he was a wonderful young man. And we, and we started building the business and we built it from zero to a million dollars before I left and came back to the home office back in the early nineties. And how many folks uh, did you have when you left that organization starting from scratch? When I left the the Chapel Hill Carver store, we had, I think, three people working in there. Okay, got it. And doing a million plus, I'm sure, as well. Yep, right up to a million. Which is yeah. a big deal for oh yeah this little oh, redneck yeah. in North Carolina. I felt you know I felt good about it, but I'd learned so many lessons. Oh right, my goodness, right. I learned so much. Fantastic. Yeah, and um, you know, tell me about some of those lessons, particularly as it relates to managing people. You know, what were some of the mistakes you made? If yeah. you don't mind showing a little vulnerability, those are things that our sure. audience loves to hear, yeah. as well as some of the things that maybe Dad taught you or others that you learned along the way. Well, you know, uh, one of the things is, is is taking personal responsibility for your mistakes mm. and just taking responsibility overall. That's probably the biggest one. Yeah. And, you know, you can imagine being a young guy. I'm not too detail-oriented either. And you can imagine I'd made mistakes. I made clerical mistakes. I made I made some pretty bonehead mistakes. And, and what I began <laughs> to learn was I have to, I can't blame anybody else. I have to take That's responsibility. Right. Yeah. And, and if I have weakness in a certain area, 
that I've got to develop a system or a process or some way I've got to learn to be able to uh, set up a system that that somebody else or somehow those those weaknesses are taken care of. Sure. And whatever it may be, a double check system, whatever it may be, you've got to you've got to be able to build systems that can help you in your areas of weakness. And that's what I did. We learned how to do that. And so and get metrics my, right. You know, yeah, have exactly. ways in which you're measuring your results. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so, and I want to, I want to remind everybody on here too. This is long before computers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> long, exactly. long before cell phones. <laughs> you know, ledgers. One, we kept ledgers one, and exactly. we had books. Yeah. You, it, the inventory was all manual and we, right. we might have 10,000 part numbers, but there was all manual, <laughs> everything. And so you can imagine the amount of labor and paperwork, but I would get up in the morning at 6 a.m. in the morning and, or earlier, go to the, our home office in Durham, fill uh, a transfer order by hand, put it in a box, tape it up, make a copy of the notes I had taken and written down and go and lay that down on lead, my, our VP's desk and drive to Carborough, unload the boxes, put it all in stock and be ready to open for business at 730 every day. Wow. And and wow. so and in the afternoon, you process all that same stuff. What do sure. I sell today? Build, build your next transfer. And so that's that's how we did it back it's in the day. amazing how much time we used to spend doing that, right? Oh, and my word. I remember the old hand crank uh, calculating machines, right? Or oh, adding yeah. machines, they called yep. them back then, right? Yep. Where you had to go through the numbers. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It was, we had to cost invoices, price them. It's just, yeah. And so today, when I do orientation for our new team members, I actually go through that process to tell them what it was like. <laughs> and they're, they're looking at me like they're like I've got three heads, you know, it's like <laughs> straight out of the stone age. They can't even imagine. Yeah, but it was exactly how we started. So what it did though, I'm gonna go back and answer your question. It really built character in my life. Right. right. It, adversity builds character and it yeah. really did change me. And and the the most the biggest lesson I learned is 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 uh, if if it's going to get done, I got to do it. I've got to do it myself, and I've got to right. do it the right way, the best way I can. And if I make a mistake, learn from it, and then grow from it. And so, just the whole character building process was just instrumental in form. It really shaped me into who I am today. Well, and you know, also starting a, a branch as you did from scratch. You know, you did all the jobs for the folks that right. came in after you. Right. And I think that's so important today. Kids don't mm-hmm. understand that. You know, in order to really report to someone, you have to kind of walk in there, have someone report to you. You have to walk in their shoes. You know, if Could you haven't done more. the job yourself, well, then maybe you should. You know, before you're managing someone that does, because it's so easy not to be able to see what some of the challenges are unless you've yep. really done it yourself. I, I could not agree more. I yeah, could, and then yeah. my son is in the business now. We may is talk he? about that later. But yeah. uh, for, for him, I've told him, you, I, you've got to learn every aspect of the business. And right. so if, if, if I may uh, just tell you real quickly, uh, he's 25 years old now. But I told nice. him he always wanted to go into business just like I did with my dad. Right. But I said, son, I said, being a son of the boss is really hard. That's I promise right. you it's harder than what you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's just going to flat out stink. And I said, so what you need to do is you need to go get your business degree, get another job somewhere else for at mm. least two years, which would end up being three years. You, know, you get a promotion at that job, get a raise at that job, and then move out, and then you can apply. Now, mm. mama won't too happy for a while with me, but she thinks it was the right thing to do now. Right. But, uh, but, right. She, but, but he did all that, and he's doing fantastic. That's and great. he's And so- You just yeah. have one son or any just other one son. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Sure, and just one son. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, the Lord bless us with him. And and then not long after that, a side note, my wife got cancer, and so the doctor said we can't have any more kids. So I said that's fine. Uh-huh. So the Lord gave us one good old healthy kid, and he's he like I said, he's doing fantastic. I'm probably right. a little bit hard on him at times, but oh, he is. Should. He's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's learning. He, he's learning the ropes, and he is like he's learning from the ground up. Just that's like it how's your be. wife so, doing now? Is she better? She's fantastic. Yeah? She's a two time yeah. cancer Submission. survivor now. Oh my gosh. she's doing she's doing wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. That's yep. great news. So back to you. So early 90s, you returned to headquarters. Is that when dad retired? You know, he's semi-retired back in the 90s. He okay. was just kind of getting burnt out and, and tired, right. and, and I get it. And uh, so he is in his 60s. And and so um, he made me general manager of the company at that time. We okay. had a, we had a you store were kind of the number two then. Right. Yeah. And 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 we had, we had a vice president, uh, Lee Blakely, who had gone into business with my dad. He wasn't own, had no ownership, but he right. actually started with my dad and then me and my dad. And so, um, uh, yeah, he made me general manager. I came back to the Durham store. We had three locations total at that time, one wow. in Burlington, Durham and Chapel Hill. And, uh, and and yeah, so I began to really uh, focus on trying to develop decent processes. I had, at that time, I had began to really educate myself about leadership, right. community communication, uh, uh, you know, even managing conflict. And so I was really, I would became a student and of, of, of leadership. And, and so some early on influences like John Maxwell and others oh, began to have an impact on my yeah. life. Obviously, the uh, all the Dale Carnegie stuff had, but I just became really kind of a nerd when it came to learning <laughs> about leadership. Good. And so that really began to affect my life and really began to make a difference. And I learned how to how to deal with conflict, how to lead people, how to, right. how to love people. And probably the, the biggest change was because we kind of jumped over a little bit was in 1988, I did accept Christ as my Lord and right. Savior. Yeah. And that now, was when, tra- well, tell us a little about that some yeah. event. That was transformational. Uh-huh. My grandmother was very instrumental in, in that. And right. she kept asking me to come to church on the weekends. And my, I knew my father was a believer, but I didn't really want to have anything to do with his faith or anything not. else. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, but she kept inviting me. So, uh, so on it, uh, uh, I can't remember what day, what um, what part of the year it was, but in 1988, I showed up at my grandmother's church, Greystone Baptist Church in Durham, North Carolina, and uh, I found my, my I found my grandma sitting down in the, mm. the blue haired section. Yeah. Went and sat down next to her, <laughs> and she was she had this big smile on her face. Oh my gosh. Long story short is uh, that that day the Lord really really spoke to me and convicted me of my lifestyle. And, and and where I was, and I yeah. was just simply running from him. Right, and sure. so uh, through through the songs, so I, I remember the song that day called "Holy Ground." Our choir sang it, mm. and then uh, uh, the Lord brought a young lady named Kelly, who became a dear friend of mine, into my life. Who actually went to church there. She witnessed to me, and she shared her faith, and finally encouraged me to go see Malbert Smith. And Malbert Smith uh, was a pastor there at the time. Right. He was instrumental. About four weeks later, to lead me to the Lord, and uh, it was just a, it was a beautiful thing. And and I, I mean, we all. Know what that does, but I, yep. I tell you, I, I talk about it to this day, and and I have the same sense of excitement uh, now as I did back then, and, and what the Lord's done in my life. And Thank so, you for sharing that, yeah. Uh, now, it, were you married at the time, or did you meet no, your wife? No, I later? wasn't. Okay. I, mean, I, I I was not married. I was still over in Chapel Hill, around yeah. that store. And Kelly began to. Uh, we became good friends, and and just and began to hang out. I started going to going to church there in a singles department, right? right. And then uh, I started praying specifically. I asked the Lord to bring me a. Bring 
bring a woman into my life yeah. I could spend the rest of my life with. And I was I was that single guy that was never going to get married. You know those guys? Right, sure. And, um, and so um, <laughs> I was the one Lord of those answered, for a while. <laughs> yeah. The, the Lord answered my prayers. And about Lovely. two years later, uh, Sherry uh, showed up in my life. And and, and to our friends, mutual friends of ours introduced us. And um, and, and again, for that, the rest is history. We, we, we've been together ever since. We've That's hardly great. been a day apart. How long have you been married other. to Sherry, Troy? Uh, let's see. You're going to test me now. 1991, March the 9th of 91. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and we, uh, and, I went up and, on and, 30 years. Oh, yeah. And so <laughs> the, the Lord, Lord gave us Taylor, our son, uh, just about a, a, a couple years later. And so in 93. And so, yeah, I, I'm blessed. I have That's a great. wonderful wife and a wonderful son. And I'm just, I can't, I couldn't ask for much more. Thank you for sharing that. So back to general manager, you're kind of the number two in the organization. You've mm-hmm. got uh, dad's longtime employee there. How big was the company at that time? How many employees? He said three branches, I think, right? Or three offices. Yeah, about three, three, there was three stores total, the Durham store, right. and which is with the warehouse as well, the distribution center, and then uh, Burlington Carborough. And I, I don't, I can't remember exactly how many people we have, but we probably were around 20 to 25 team 20, members 25. at that time. And, and fast forward <laughs> today, how big uh, are you? How many stores? How many people? We have 10 building locations, okay. eight storefronts, oh. and we're right at 90 team members, right? 90 families we help yeah, support. So quite, mm-hmm. quite significant growth. So yep. when did dad kind of fully take the chair and uh, you you stepped into the yep. top shop? So uh, there's there's a story that's kind of an urban legend around here back in <laughs> 1997. We've been in business for 20 years. And, uh, and my dad was, was, you know, he, he was still the CEO. He still made all the final shot, called all the final shots and was, was still on the company, obviously. And, uh, but Lee and Lee and myself were pretty much running the company at the right. time. And was um, he a little and, younger than your dad or was he of your yes, dad's Yes, he was. He's a few years younger. Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, um, and, and just also, I got to tell you this, he's just, he's just such a wonderful friend of mine. I mean, we got, we became really, really close as well, nice. but we were, uh, Lee challenged me. He said, you know, he said, Troy he said, he said, we've been a 20 years. He said, I still got quite a few more years under my belt and you got a lot of yours. He said, we got to decide where are we going? How are we going to get there? What are we going to do to get there? What is our plan? And I thought, wow, I've never thought about that. (laughs) And and so we came together in a conference room at a local uh, hotel talking about all this. And we decided several things that day. First and foremost, what we did as three of us to decide is we wanted to create a culture where our team members get up every day and want to come to work, mm-hmm. where we so want important. a healthy, I remember the phrase, healthy work environment is one of the part of the phrase of our first mission statement we came up with. Right. And so as a result, uh, I began to kind of, kind of look inwardly, you know, you can put that stuff up on the wall all day long, but <laughs> unless you're living it out, it, ain't, it means nothing. That's right. And so I started thinking, you know, I'm not sure we have a, a healthy work environment. I mean, mm-hmm. I think, I feel like we're kind of like everybody else. I mean, remember back in the eighties and nineties, seventies, eighties and nineties, you know, you just pretty much like everybody else. Lee and dad had done a great job, but there wasn't anything exceptional about us or right. our culture. We were just kind of like the average run of the mill business yeah. and culture. And I said, you know what? I want to be, I want to get up every day and want to come to work too. And so we started sitting down. I sat down with some long tenured people and I, I, I would say, okay, here's what's broke. Here's what we're going to do to fix it, mm. and here's what the future's got to look like as it relates to them and their career there, and, and or their contribution to the culture. And I said, if we can't get from here to here in this time frame, I love you, but you can't stay. Mm. It's too vital. And, yeah. and, and 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 I love the phrase "change people or change people." So I was all right. in. I was going to try to invest and help them change and grow and contribute to a culture. But that they had to do just that. They had sure. to contribute to the culture and the profitability had to be open every and day. To it, yeah, yeah. They, and and so here's what happened. 
had a number of people that couldn't change. Yeah, and so we had to change. Yeah. But we had some that did change. Matter of fact, our, our director of operations right now, Wayne Bullock, who's been over with us over 30 years, he's one of them that did change. And his life has been transformed. Mm-hmm. And he is now, he's got a wonderful leadership role, doing a great job. But he'll tell you to this day, is I mean, that ACR and hopefully uh, somebody speaking into his life made a major change in his life. And so, but, but about a third or fourth time that we either changed or they changed, people went, oh man, Troy's serious. I said, yeah, I'm serious. You want me to be serious. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I want to get up every day and want to come to work. Don't you? I don't want to be miserable. And so that began a journey for us that was just really, uh, I'd say, breathtaking. And and, yeah. and we were at that time, we were right at a little under $4 million in gross revenue. And so we began to put right systems, right people, right uh, right uh, uh, goals in place, and, and really focused on um, building that culture where people get up every day and they want to come to work. And so, and I, I just got to tell you, as a result, I think I think the Lord's really blessed us. We've got some phenomenal people, and and we we've gone from being under four million in ninety seven this past year. We just we just uh, rose uh, exceeded thirty million in gross yeah. revenue. Congratulations! So, so it was ninety six, ninety seven the year when you became CEO and Dad fully retired. Yeah, I was general manager. Yeah, pretty, and so and so what happened was about to, almost eleven years ago now is when okay. I officially bought the company from my dad. Eleven years ago. Okay. Yes, Got sir. It. Yes, Got sir. It. Yeah, great. So even mm-hmm. and is Lee still around or as well or yeah, he. he he retired a number retired. of years ago, yeah. and yeah, and, and we still stay in contact. And uh, he's he's a he's he's uh, he's living uh, in and I think what you call a mother in law suite with his with one of his sons, him and his wife, and they're enjoying a lot of grandkids right now. So yeah. they're, they're loving life. That's great to hear. Well, you know, we both got introduced through a wonderful organization called C Twelve yes, that uh, some of our listeners know about, and others uh, may not. And it's a Christian men's organization globally. Yep. Uh, we all are faith based gentlemen and women. And uh, looking for ways, of course, to always spread uh, our blessings with others that are her customers, as well as those that uh, we serve as employees and elsewhere. Uh, When did you get involved with C12 and and what kind of an impact has that had on your development as a leader? Wow, that's a that's a loaded question. Okay, <laughs> I so, don't want to uh, keep you on time here. Yeah, no, too, no, so. that's all good. It's all good. Uh, so, ten, 10 years ago, I was a member of Vistage. Some of y'all may have right. heard of that before, sure. and it's a wonderful organization. Yeah. And um, and and my my father actually at the time uh, worked out in the mornings with another gentleman who uh, he told him about uh, about C twelve because we had not heard of it. I didn't know okay. it existed. And uh, long story short, he said, you should go check it out, son. I said, okay, I will. And so I did, and Will Dixon's my, my chairman in the okay. Raleigh-Durham area. And I went to visit, absolutely loved it. Yeah. And 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 I got to tell you something, from Buck Jacobs all the way down to Don Barefoot and now Mike. Yeah. Um, Specifically, Don, I would say, had a real impact on me just from the, the CEO level. Mm. He challenged me one day to, uh, and so did Will about, about, uh, ministry in the marketplace, about, about, uh, about making a difference for Christ in the marketplace mm. and how much, you know, how, how your, your workplace, how your, your employees or your team members, they are your ministry. That's they're, right. I mean, they're, they're part of your responsibility to minister to them and love on them and encourage them and be, be the light of Christ to them. And so that's when I, that's when we changed our next version of our mission statement. 
and and oh, we okay. began we began to really so it was correct. about ten years ago when when did you start getting yes, involved in C twelve yeah. yes sir ten years yeah. ago yes sir and 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 so you 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 know this and not everybody may know this listen to the podcast but just some of the tools they equip you with we, I mean Fantastic. I knew this yeah. I knew the spirit the spiritual aspect it would be rich and very right. good and it is obviously is and for the devote the monthly devotionals and all that stuff and just the camaraderie and and it's just absolutely wonderful but I had no idea this. Was this floored me, just the practical wisdom and right. knowledge and tools you get through the curriculum and just through the people. Oh, my goodness. And so, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. I, we're always, we've always said that we've never come up with a good original idea at our company, <laughs> but we're really good at stealing others. And so, so that's what we've been doing Let with, with C12. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And so much of what ACR Supply is today is a ref, is simply a reflection of C12. And some of the, many of the things I've learned there— and, and other industry associations as well, but it's just been so. That's what that's who ACR is. Is much of what I've learned in and through C twelve over the years. I mean, just you know this. The material is so practical, sure. yeah. so helpful. You will never run out of good ideas. No, you have I, so many good ideas. I, that I, I are presented agree with to that. You. And I, you know, I was a founding member of our group up here in Connecticut. We're, we're uh, almost twelve. I think we're nine or ten. And, mm-hmm. and so my chair, who I've known over forty years, so he right. and I go way back to one of our early careers. And he has me do a lot of ambassador work when we're looking at new. Um, potential, uh, you know, members. And and I literally had coffee with um, uh, a gentleman yesterday who looks like he's going to come visit our group. And he said, you know, what's the number one thing? And I said, you know, for me, it's having a non-executive board that exactly. is, you know, uh, based in my faith tradition that can be honest with me. I yep. can be vulnerable with them yep. and I can just right. lay it out on the line and they're going to straight, you know, shoot, shoot straight with me. And they I'll really tell you, are. that's been one of the biggest advantages because, you know, sometimes it's lonely at the top, right? It very very much yeah. so, and I tell you, for me personally, though, just the amount of wisdom in the room, yeah. Yeah. just the amount of knowledge, and 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 think about this for a minute. You suddenly have direct access with ten to twelve top CEOs exactly. who love the Lord yeah. in, in your given market area, and you can talk to them, develop a relationship with them, have lunch with them, whatever. And I, I mean, it doesn't get any better. No, I mean, doesn't. my goodness. I mean, and so these guys, these guys and, and ladies in our groups, they've become very close uh, to me. And now I know if I really have something I need to run by somebody or if I've got an issue, I, I, I mean, I can call any of you them and, and just yeah. run it by them, run it by. Hey, what do you think about this? And it's just, it's wonderful. That's so, terrific. Well, thank you for sharing that, Troy. Um, You know, we talked a little bit about culture. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Talk a little bit about the people. What do you look for when you're making bets in the people you invest in and hire? Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> oh yeah, the you no, know, I uh, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. Uh, I'll tell you. Years ago, I read a, a Patrick Lencioni book, and I can't remember how many oh, years yeah. ago it was. Over ten years ago, you, I knew you're familiar with the him. Dysfunctional manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah five, five dysfunctions. Yeah, he's right, got um, right. the advantage. He's got, uh, I mean, all kinds of uh, three signs of a miserable job. Right, right. But he wrote a book years ago, and I can't remember the exact title of it. But it's something like the four or five obsessions of a CEO. Mm. He used a phrase in there. Um, uh, called uh, humble, hungry, and smart. It was defining, just kind of describing one of his, one of a character inside the book at that given time. And I thought, wow, I really like that. So yeah. I started using it a lot, right? Again, I stole, stole another great idea. So we actually <laughs> use that as our criteria for hiring now. Somebody has a real sense of authentic humility. Right. They have a desire to, uh, they have a real sense of, they, they desire to put other people's needs in front of their own. Right. That includes family, friends, coworkers. Yep. They're hungry. Uh, they, they have a desire to grow personally, professionally, financially, spiritually. They're, they're, they have a healthy dissatisfaction with the status quo. Mm. And then also they're smart. They're people smart. 
And they have a desire to be good communicators. And so we started running with that many, many years ago. And then, and then uh, probably about, I think it was three years ago or something that he wrote a new book called The Ideal Team Player. You may have heard right, of that right. one. Right. I've heard about that, that. I haven't read it that, yet. Yeah. yeah. The Humble, Hungry, Smart was the centerpiece of this book. So he took this idea from an old book and or from, from one of the characters in an old book and he, and he just put the centerpiece of this book. And man, it, it is absolutely, it's a must read. Uh, but the I Ideal Team Player. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really phenomenal. But that's exactly the model that we use for hiring. They even have an online assessment that we actually ask people to take ahead of time to, to make sure that they, that, that they fit into two, if not three of those categories in a real solid way. Yeah. But we, we know this, uh, that if somebody has a real sense of humility, they have a desire to grow, like I said, right. and, they, and they're good communicators. They're going to fit into the ACR culture, not only going to fit into it, they're going to contribute to it. Because here's what I learned a long time ago. Everybody wants to be a part of a great work culture. That's everybody, right. yeah. but not everybody wants to contribute to it. They want to reap the benefit of it, <laughs> so but they true. don't always want to contribute to it. Yeah. So we yeah, hope we'll people accountable to, to contribute yeah. to it. Yep. Yeah, that's great. How, how do you interview against that? You know, you know, I'm sure you don't interview every new people person that comes. Maybe you do. You get a chance I to do. meet them along the way. But, oh yeah. You know what? We're, what are some of the things that you ask, and how do you kind of get at some of those uh, those uh, insights about those people? Because it's tough. You know, maybe you yeah. have a half an hour, forty five minutes, or an hour with someone, and you know. We have a pretty in-depth uh, in, in yeah. recruiting and hiring process. Mm -hmm. We worked on it for many, many years. But when it comes to me interviewing, we, I mean, we have we try to interview anybody from three to five times, three right. different, three to five different separate in interviews. Good. Obviously, our HR director is part of that. But I do, I still do. We're small enough where I can still interview for every person, whether it be right. uh, a sales role, whether it be a management role, whether it be a truck driver role, whatever it is. I like to be a part of that because my focus is on the culture piece, right? Right. And so so uh, what my, my approach is a little bit different. I really like to help people get relaxed and not make mm. it a formal thing. I rarely do an interview in an office. Right. Normally it's at a Starbucks, normally it's somewhere. Sometimes geographically, I'm challenged geographically, I'll do it by phone. We spend time talking about personal life a lot, what I do, what I like to do, and asking what they like to do. Just kind of get them to a place where they feel very relaxed. They feel like there's a rapport there. And then I begin to really dive in asking people, what does culture mean to them? What do they mean? How vital is culture to them as far as uh, where they want to go to work? Uh, describe what a toxic culture looks like to them. How do they, they, they contribute? to the ACR culture? What do they know about the ACR culture? So we just, that's the things that I really focus on personally. And that really, you know, once you get people relaxed and really comfortable and, and, and make them feel very safe in, 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 in the, the conversation, uh, it, you, you, you'd be amazed what people tell you. And it's been it's been really really a effective way, and we still make mistakes. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we have our warts like everybody else, and we still make higher mistakes at times. But but our percentage has gotten much better, if that makes sense. Troy, you've been very generous with your time, and we always have one last question for all the CEOs on the show. And what's the career and life advice would you give to someone who has their eyes on their own corner office, or perhaps wants to uh, succeed in a family business as you've done so well? If I can backtrack just a little bit, I, we, me and my wife work with young professionals and have been for many, many years in our church and our community. I, I spend a lot of time mentoring. And I tell people this all the time. The um, I know that sometimes you're just simply trying to get a job, but I tell all these young pros who I coach and, and, and the whole interview process, 
that you need to be interviewing the company that you're, you're, you're interviewing for. You need to be interviewing them as hard as they're interviewing you. you. And I give them and I equip them with the right questions, a lot of in-depth questions to ask about what, what's, it, what's the culture like? What's it like to, to work there? And so that would be my first piece of advice for anybody is if you're going to work somewhere, you're thinking about going to work somewhere, you better interview them as, as hard as you can and as deeply as you can to find out what is it really like to be a part of that organization. But the biggest thing I think, and it, it kind of related to this, is, is to find out what the leadership's like and just and just really begin to find out what, what the leadership style is there. I would, I would tell them that they really have their eyes focused on a role like that. They need... The, 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 you work on me first, right? The man in the mirror. So you begin to really pour into yourself, pour in, doing everything you can to grow, to grow in all these areas. Uh, there's all types of wonderful leadership material out there, but get enrolled, get a mentor, get somebody that, that you highly respect that will pour into you and challenge you. And, and number one, have a teachable spirit. I mean, and just just be be ready. As scripture tells us over and over again about what wisdom is, right? And and having a teachable spirit is so vital. And that's that's the that's the thing I would really encourage uh, people to do is is to have a teachable spirit. I think it's one of the best characteristics we can have. Troy Meacham, president of ACR Supply. Thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you for ha- having me, and I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.